0: hey everyone before we start i just want to give a quick disclaimer slash apology the audio quality in this episode ended up being less than optimal compared to our regular output and this is due primarily to my recording location at the time i was house sitting and pet sitting for family and didn't scope the environment for optimal recording which gave my voice a more tinny sound than usual and the more limited internet speed also resulted in bench transmission being sometimes more crackly and low fidelity So I apologize for that. Same goes for my actual speech. This was recorded really late on my end. So even after doing a lot of editing, you'll still notice a lot more stammering and stumbling over my words than usual. Despite all that, I think we have some really great thoughts and viewpoints on both the movie and TV show we discussed in this episode. So with that all said, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Hey everyone, this is episode 39 of SketchWatch Play, a pop culture podcast talking movies, TV, cartoons, video games, and everything that comes with those. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify and most third-party podcast apps and directories. If you want to send us feedback or topic suggestions, you can email us at sketchwatchplay at gmail.com. And if you enjoy what you hear, you can support the show and help us gain prominence by leaving a positive review on iTunes. I am John Flurry, and today I am happy to be joined once again by animator, artist, and friend of the show, Ben Reynolds. Ben, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty laid back right now because I'm, uh, I'm actually doing some uh, pet sitting. For my brother. Oh, that's very nice. Is, is it uh cats or dogs? It's it's a dog and it's technically my dad is also it's, it's at his like farmhouse, but he, my dad has to, has to do a lot of day work this week and like so obviously that means a lot of like zoom chats and stuff and uh-huh. this uh dog of my brother's if you go back to the dog hunt episode we go into this dog, breton He's sweet, but he's very very shy. He's a dog. He's a shelter dog. He's actually pacing the room right now. I think he's happy to be around me, but I'm helping with him and they have the other dog and the parrot that we talked about. So we call it the zoo. <laughs> that
1: sounds pretty nice. I have it a is. dog too, but he's, he's abandoned a me for the evening. Cause I've, I've fulfilled his needs. Oh, okay. Like the, so he's done. The, yeah. He's eaten. So he's like retired for the evening.
0: For listeners who may not remember, if you skip the episodes, you previously appeared on our Voltron and record of Lotus war episodes. Uh, uh, Voltron was, was also with Chris, which is we, we covered the mainly the first season of legendary defender and Record of Lotus War was just us two, and that was that was a cool one because you're a huge anime fan, and you when you picked uh, Lotus, that was cool because that was one you kind of helped me, motivated me to cross uh, an anime off the bucket list, because there's so much stuff old and new that I haven't seen. I'm not super well-versed in the anime compared to a lot of other artists, and that was a really fun discussion we had about it, too. And spoilers, he... You did another great pick today, though much, much more recent. Not certainly not vintage, but I'm sure it's, it might be one that people are still talking about years from now because it's very unique.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it's a super deep cut, and it's the audience for it is super specific. So I've I've been interested to uh, hear what people who are more, more casual artists or just uh, casual viewers of anime think of it.
0: Yeah, or and if I, they if
1: they're into it as much of, as as much as I am.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of. Yeah, I still qualify as casual in both. I'm hoping to move up to intermediate for art. Casual anime is probably going to stay that way. I did, um, I did actually just resubscribe to uh, Funimation. I'm rewatching the original Dragon Ball, which is still a lot of fun. And tr- I,
1: I just started doing that too, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's still like, I'm. It always, it always blows me away how raunchy early Dragon Ball is. Uh, yeah, was, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> one, a lot of it was censored when it aired on Toonami, and two, Z in any form. It eases up on it but it's still just such, such a fun like i love i love how creative the world is in dragon ball compared to later because they focus less on the action and more on the characters and situations um it's a very different show but it's a good one and there goes the dog whining um <laughs> but uh i also plan to watch demon slayer because i've heard good things about that oh uh, yeah that's a very good show I, yeah. I have like two episodes left of that yeah but i but but i didn't mean to talk about what i've been watching but uh ben what are some things you've been uh working on lately
1: Um, so recently I'm, I'm still working on Chris Slash. I'm actively working on Chris Slash episode three. Um, I, I kind of took a break just because I had like, uh, work and, uh, random side projects and I had, I had like a game thing I was trying to finish. Uh, I got a little burnt out on Chris Slash actually for a little bit. Now I'm sort of aching and itching to get back into it. So, um, I'm planning to hopefully if, if all things, if nothing crazy happens, release, like, episode three and four, uh, like, back-to-back with each other. Hopefully nobody holds me to that and nothing happens, but um, yeah, I'm active in curse-slash mode
0: right now. Nice, nice. And what are some, are there any other uh, drawing or animation projects you've had online recently?
1: Um, yeah, one thing I did when, um uh, like, I would get burnt out from animation from work and have to take like a break and not draw anything, so one thing, I kind of Got into was, um, like 24 hour music streams. Uh, I don't know if you've seen those on like, on like YouTube.
0: Yeah. Like game music, lo-fi stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So usually when I'm, when I'm drawing, I have like a, a playlist I'm listening to on loop and it's, it's all yeah, like tracks said. in it. Yeah. And I, I was like, you know, I listen to these lo-fi things all the time. I could probably like make one of my own. And it just became this whole rabbit hole and it's super. Com- it's way more complex than you think it's going to be. You think it's just going to be like a simple project.
0: That's awesome. And, uh,
1: yeah, it, it was fun. I, I did that for a while. And then um, I kind of like I, I spent a little bit of money on it and um, had like a personal server so that I didn't have to use my uh, own computer.
0: Mm-hmm. And after
1: a while, it got a little expensive. So I kind of turned it off. I'm going to revisit it maybe when uh, I have a little bit more money to spend.
0: Sure, sure. But it, it was it
1: was like a cool little experiment, though.
0: Yeah, we do have uh, two big topics to talk about this week, but I do want to make sure. Are there any other uh, works you want to promote, or accounts, or like where again where can people find you, or where where any links that you'd like to? Ask
1: um. About? Yeah, I do have some links on um, on YouTube and Twitter. I'm Daikon V. It's it's a a fully coolie reference. So, uh, like li- literally spelled like the uh, convention, and then. uh, I'm also on Newgrounds. I'm uh, cell shaded on Newgrounds.
0: Nice. I guess we can start with um, our our initial uh, movie, because this is our main topic today is something we both watched. Uh, Our first one is a movie that uh, you're going to hope to see at some point, but I watched probably within the week of its release, and that is Soul. Spend your
1: precious hours doing what will bring out the real you, the brilliant, passionate you. That's ready to contribute something meaningful into this world.
0: So, Ben, real quick, like you—you uh, you told me you were you're holding off on this because you want to kind of see it like disconnected from initial hype and hubbub. up.
1: Yeah, I, I really wanted to give it a fair shake. I've been trying to do a lot more of that recently. Not not be so influenced by uh, not not, not so much influenced, but just have my palate be cleansed, but going in, you, you know what I mean? Like,
0: mm-hmm. going and not, a- not,
1: yeah, yeah. And just sort of ha- come to my own conclusion about it. So I was sort of just waiting for people to sort of calm down before I, I gave it a look, but I am sort of familiar with everybody's uh, controversy and, and opinions of it and stuff.
0: Yeah. This is one that the critical reception to this is, uh, some of Pixar's best in a while. It's nothing's 100 percent universal, but it's it's definitely like one of their what you kind of expect from one of their their like top tier films in terms of uh-huh. critics' a or, or But whereas the public reception of this movie feels kind of all over the place, I would say I still would say it's leaning towards various levels of positive, uh, but it's not the same uh, amount of home run as something like uh, like Coco.
1: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, where does this fit outside of everything? Like, where does this fit in, like, the lexicon of Pixar movies? Is this, like, a Toy Story? Or is this, like, uh, is it, like, on the scale of Toy Story to Cars?
0: It is certainly not a Cars. Um, (laughs) And I I feel like very few people, even people who are like, this movie's not for me, are going to compare it to Cars. Uh, Because one of the big complaints about Cars is, like, this feels like it's made for babies. Whereas I'm seeing a recurring theme. A lot of people say, like, the themes of this are the most adult, Pixar has ever tackled it's certainly not a mm. child unfriendly film there's still comedy there's still bright colors uh but I've seen like people saying like kids will probably like this one well enough and then when they grow up it'll it'll hit them harder uh-huh. and me as a big man child well not really I'm an adult I just <laughs> uh this <laughs> was this movie came at the right time for me and I'm gonna get into that but but uh a little bit of setup like I was hopeful about this and one of the reasons was uh, it being directed by Pete Docter, who, for people who don't know who that is, uh, one, he's now the head of Pixar after, you know, John Lasseter has that scandal and left. Uh, right, right. But the other big thing is he has directed several movies for them. And for me and I think most people and critics, they've all been various degrees of great. He started with Monsters, Inc., which I think is a wonderful little buddy comedy. Then he did Up, which is technically my least favorite of his, just because I feel like it's actually the same thing. I'm seeing people say about this, where you kind of have a different movie in the middle, but oh. it also has one of the most iconic and heart-tugging opening scenes of all time, and it's just a, it's just a really solid adventure film. Uh, and then maybe my favorite of his overall, even though I think Soul has had it may have the bigger impact. I mean, he he did Inside Out before this, which a lot of people are comparing it to.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: in terms of like you know the the beings inside you that make you tick, whereas Instead of emotions, is your literal your little soul the the the, the spark that makes you you? Uh, and I'll say right off the bat they they do uh, definitely. Sh- I was because one thing I wondered about they totally uh, sidestep any aspects of proper religion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I imagine they would have
0: to. Uh, yeah, just well, like, the interesting thing is because I looked up uh, Pete Doctor after watching this movie. He actually is uh, a lifelong Christian. He said that influences his work, but he also says he does not want to promote specific agendas or that sort of stuff. He wants to uh-huh. meet, which I, I can definitely respect. Uh, and to be fair, I'm agnostic, and it can be annoying when people are being very pompous about being agnostic and atheist. But you just, just leave what you want, people. Just be respectful about it. He's also been talking about, like, how... And this happens multiple times, I think, but especially with him. uh, He comes up with these ideas based on, like, life events with family. Like, Inside Out was based on some stuff his daughter was going through, who was Riley's age. uh, They were inspired by. And this was inspired by watching another of his, uh, like, his son, like, gradually grow up, like, just thinking about, you know, this living thing, growing and learning and, and observing. And I will say, like, straight up, this is in my three favorite Pixar movies of the last decade, which are uh, obviously Soul, Inside Out, and the biggest one, Coco coco i i i kind of would like to do that it's full of its own full episode someday we did a spoiler free thoughts when it first came out but i really want to revisit and dissect it then these three movies have two things in common one they're not sequels admittedly i've liked a lot of their recent sequels especially toy story 4 they're just not all timers to me but the other big thing is they're taking on more insightful and adult relevant themes than i'm i'm used to with pixar uh, Inside Out deals with life changes, depression, and both the purpose—the purpose—but inevitability of its of sadness and experiencing negative emotions, which you don't expect something for kids to to really embrace. Coco deals with stuff like the inevitability of loss and that sort of sadness and and separation, but the importance of memory and treasuring what you do have in your family while you have it. And soul goes all the way into the ideas of purpose and the concept of of destiny and meaning and purpose in life and trying to find your sense of place within your interests, your family, and your work. This is something Joe, our main guy, the JB Fox character, goes through.
1: Yeah, one one of the things I'm really interested in with, with this movie and like modern movies in general is just the idea of an adult movie not necessarily being graphic, but like uh adult in themes. And, yeah. and I'm really, I'm I'm really excited to sort of see uh, a more mainstream studio like Pixar sort of dig deeper into stuff like that, where it's it's a more grounded sort of uh, emotional story and less of a bombastic visual thing.
0: Yeah, uh, grounded is a relative term because there's still a lot of goofiness and out there concepts, but it is not. Even the outlandish like realms that it goes to are not as bombastic as something like Coco. They're almost they're actually. I'd say this is their most minimalist, like fantastical world. Cause we have all we see of, and actually the bulk of the, of, I'll get to it but we don't see the afterlife itself we see like a portal to it but they leave it very very that's the big thing i'm talking about they leave it very ambiguous what the they call it the way beyond what it actually is they're like you can apply whatever you think it is and don't worry about it that's because the point of it i think it's a smart choice yeah it's also this movie isn't about like coco already kind of tackled stuff about death and and memory of of the the dealer departed but and this is more about life itself and living your life as well as the concepts of what kind of stuff could uh, have made you, shaped you as a person with your, your you know, your natural interests and, and quirks with, when you were born and stuff like that. Because Joe ends up, by refusing to accept uh, a possible death, ends up in the great before, which is this very pleasing little, like, field area where these universal beings that are all named Jerry and look. You've seen them in the trailer, right? They have these very retro yeah, 2D designs. Those are like
1: the 2D guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: They look very, I heard people make the UPA comparison, uh, or stuff like you know Jay war General McBoing Boy, and basically for people like us who grew up on—if you remember—the art style that was popular with that very angular and geometric stuff like Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls. My life as a teenage robot is a big one. They were influenced by cartoons from the fifties and sixties who went with those for they were they had a, they had limited animation budget, but they they got very creative and stylized with their looks, and a lot of people valued them for that. And I I'd be kinda, really
1: interested to know if they're if they're actually 2D or if or if it's uh, some kind of effect.
0: I can't say for sure, but there are I, there are parts where they have de- depth to them. I think maybe the faces were were 2D, uh, or maybe they just made a bunch of like noodle objects and, and made them glow and and individually. I could because I buy that too. Uh, yeah, I love they, the I love the fact that I can't tell though. Yeah, they're very cool to watch uh, and very funny, including um. Kind of the closest thing to an antagonist is Terry, who is kind of the accountant who has like an abacus and tallies all the souls are going to the great beyond. And she ends up basically on the hunt for Joe when he gets back to Earth. Uh, But she's not some evil dastly person she's kind of just doing her job and is kind of a little uh self-centered about it uh, uh-huh. it's kind of it's kind of ref- it's, it, it actually is kind of refreshing because it's like if you're comparing it like uh coco i'm not gonna spoil it it had a clear villain by the end inside out had no villain which i remember a lot of people praising it for and this kind of goes in between there's technically one but they're not as they're not really devious uh, but so i was also want to say like this movie one of the things that had me was did you watch the trailers
1: yeah, I've seen the trailers.
0: The initial teaser legit made me tear up, where it's just, like, this montage of people in New York, and it's Joe talking about, like, living life to the fullest, being, like, the brilliant, passionate you, like, making the most of it. And it was just I, – I, I, this is kind of what what got me – I was already interested because of Pete Doctor. the cast is stellar, and, you know, any Pixar movie I'm going to be interested in to some degree. But I was like, this is speaking to me because I – I'm really the past year and a half I've been getting back more into being passionate about my art, studying and improving it, doing stuff with it. And uh granted this one this one's theme is Joe is a uh, a jazz pianist and he goes into like how he was first and actually, they, they do a flashback. And yeah, when he was like a preteen, his dad took him to a jazz bar and he was blown away by it. So he, he had the moment that I had with Iron Giant. Like he saw something that made him go, <laughs> oh. Actually, do you, did you have a moment like that? Was there ever a particular I, I actually yet? did. I was like, I, I made a note to, to bring it up when uh, we started talking about
1: Isaacan. But um, my, I, it was Thundercats for me. I, like when I realized that, um, hmm. that it was like a job that people did, like – like you, you sort of already knew that it was drawing somehow, but then yeah. then, then there is this moment where you put two and two together and you realize that there's a human being that draws this as a job, and that was like it. And okay. I I'm probably was like six or seven years old when
0: that happened. Yeah, yeah. I think it helps with Thundercats that has one of the most like beautifully animated intros of all time. Like that's yeah, that that
1: intro is like ingrained in my DNA. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I'll speak to pre- previous guests. I know that. Um, Colin Bird, we haven't had it on in a while, but go back to our Sonic and Ghost in the Shell episodes. His was the intro to Sonic CD. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stellar, and I stellar. Totally that's that's that the it. thing. I've I've watched like so many parts of that frame by frame. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing to, to witness. A new Sonic cartoon coming to Netflix at some point. Uh, and also go back to our Simpsons episode for talking with Alan Denson, who was one of the, the writers for it. Uh, for Sonic Boom, I'm sorry. He's I I don't. He actually did say Netflix. Are you hiring? So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, the, my point is, even though it's it's he's a musician and he's talking about notes and the rhythm and the, the keys and these, these little flourishes. Like that's something we. This is something you and I can and many others have some sort of equivalent to. Like we have we have drawing. Uh, you know my my mom has gardening. Like my brother loves has has acting. We can all relate to some level on that. And, like, Coco touched on this with, with – did you see Coco?
1: Yeah, I've seen Coco. Okay, with really Miguel's,
0: you know, Miguel had the same same thing going with music, so definitely some, some overlap there. But that wasn't it, that wasn't so much the solo focus as much as he just wanted to be – you know, his, his struggle was being – it was his family allowing it. That's what kind of gets him in that whole kerfuffle. Uh This is kind of flip-flops that where – it's – there is a subplot of Joe's mother uh, wanting him to settle down and uh, – because he's doing a uh, – he's a band teacher. At, he's a band class teacher at a high school or middle school and uh-huh. <laughs> with like a bunch of students who just don't give a crap about it. They're falling asleep. They're looking at their phones. There is one like uh, I think trombone player who's who's like legit talented and comes up a little bit. But you, know, you can tell like his heart's not really in it the same way but – at the same time, the movie starts with them offering him full-time. They're like, you get health, pension, that sort health insurance, that sort of stuff. And that's why his mom is pushing him. So it's a very, in some ways, there's the, it's, it's relatable. Like, do you want to take that compromise? Because he gets the opportunity to do a gig with, like, one of the biggest quartets. And that would, you know, solidify him in, in his career. And that's when he dies, basically. So that's why he's so <laughs> eager to get back. And you get it. Like, even knowing from the trailers that he was going to fall down that manhole, it was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. just maybe he's he <laughs> gonna find a way out. But there's also a lot of funny stuff from that opening 10 minute prologue. They're not showing you because it is it is a funny movie. Maybe not as laugh out loud as, as frequently as Inside Out, but uh, this is also like most of this compared to Inside Out is spent in the real world. Because let like, let's get to what I think is being the most divisive section of this movie. And since you said you've already been spoiled, so he meets 22 and who is Tina Fey in this? There's some great jokes with her because she's been around for a long time and and has just. Tormented people who want to mentor her and get her to be a you know a born soul, but she's not interested in Earth. Through a series of events, they both end up kind of gaming the system and getting back on Earth. uh, Except twenty two ends up in Joe's body, and Joe ends up in a therapy cat. And this is uh, this is something that they you'll notice they hid from the promos. It's kind of it's kind of brave all over again.
1: Right, right, and that's 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 sort of understandable why people were upset about that because they. It's it's like you...
0: It's a one thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's almost disingenuous.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they thought... I I don't know the... Sometimes it's it's like... I don't think it's the same, but I know that we... Uh, if you go back to our Avengers Endgame episode, that uh, advertising campaign we talked about was very deliberately vague compared to other Marvel movies about like what was going to happen in this movie because the directors requested that, like, we want people to be surprised like you used to in, like, pre-internet movies. And... This I wonder if it's if it's also like them wanting to uh, try and push that you know the like if we just show like oh you're it's because this is the big controversy that was before the movie was even out which is you know like this unfortunate trend of you have a black animated character and you turn them into a creature Prince the Frog spies in disguise now this yeah yeah uh, which totally understandable because you want it's it's especially with this but this is Pixar's first uh, black lead and primarily black cast I'd say if you're talking like the human world and I'm going to say this it's still not as you know could have been if they had found a way for like Joe to be a human for the whole movie or or, or something like that um and I'm, I'm gonna do a little shout out here because uh, yesterday Generation Animation did their episode and Chris Wade guest starred on it they had a really good uh and insightful conversation and he said the big thing for him was that uh with 22 in Joe's body and Tina Fey doing the voice, they do the thing where they show other people hear him as, as you know, hear her as Jamie Foxx and they just hear a cat instead of Jamie Foxx. Right. Um, right. Which really makes sense. And they hear each other cause they got that connection, I guess. But uh, the, he pointed out, I guess the thing that makes it a little awkward is that you've got a white woman possessing a guy, a black man's body in a post get out world. Huh. And he said, maybe that's an interesting was- point. Yeah, which I think is totally valid. And, and he brings up a good workaround would have been to cast someone of color as, as 22 because they go into uh, – there's actually a really funny part where 22 – because she's unborn, he, he even straight up asks, why do you sound like a middle-aged white woman? And she says because – this is what I'm talking about when it gets trippy. They touch on that the uh, the land of uh, – I'm forgetting it, but the land, the land of unborn souls, the uh, right before, is kind of a – hypothetical representation that the universe and the Jerry's created that human minds can comprehend and that, so it can, it can look or sound like anything. So she immediately puts on an old man voice, a little kid voice and Joe's voice to be like, and then goes with, I just went with this voice cause it irritates people. So they play it as a <laughs> joke. Um, the thing is while we're in this middle section, the, uh, the silver lining is, it is still very focused on this, Black cast and culture surrounding them. Have you heard people praise the barbershop scene? Oh, I've definitely
1: heard praise for it. And That's sort of why I wanted to like form my own opinion because I've heard from both sides where uh, people who just didn't like it or or people who, who praised it. Yeah, I, I yeah. think both of those are valid. So I just yeah. wanted to... Uh, that, that's really why I haven't... I just haven't had a chance
0: to sit down yeah. and... Uh, this is a movie where I'm, I'm not going to uh, to blow off any any view, positive or negative, because I think how just how people... Guts reactions to how they decide to format it, like, you can't help that. And if you're uncomfortable with it, that's valid. I will say that they, from the sounds of it, the Pixar did not half-ass their representation in terms of behind the scenes, Uh, even though they didn't set out with it when they make when they started, like, concept-wise with this movie, like, this is going to be our big black feature. It was, they originally, the idea was Joe was going to be a scientist, but they said, like, the everyman couldn't relate to that as much they changed the musician uh for creativity they eventually set on jazz and if they were like it would feel wrong if he was white because jazz is a primarily african-american field in the states and once that happened they totally uh started bringing on more consultants and i'm i'm bringing up the big one right now is uh, a guy named kemp powers are you familiar with him I, I do not know who that is. <laughs> He's pretty new. He directed uh, a couple episodes of Star Trek Discovery. He had a movie that came out also in 2020. Uh, it's an indie movie, but it's gotten rave reviews called One Night in Miami. It's Regina King's first directoral, uh movie. He wrote the screenplay. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I'll yeah. check it out at some point. I think it's on Amazon. And he was originally brought on as a co-screenwriter, uh, and he offered so much additional input and and insight that they promoted him to co-direct alongside Doctor. So he's all. So he's uh, Pixar's first uh, African American co-director as well. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, which you know, it'll be nice if it becomes more frequent in the future and more people of color. I know that actually. I guess it is going to happen because. Did you, uh, do you do? Remember the short they did, Bao, about the dumpling baby. Uh yes yes. That Asian director is going to do uh, a future movie. Yeah, that'll be amazing. Yeah, right. we saw that. Around. Uh, in the theater, it was
1: it preluded two. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was. Yeah. Great,
0: great, short. The thing is, I think that when I first watched the movie, even knowing because I've wa- I love this movie so much, I've watched it like four times now. I did it three times on my own, and then I showed it to my parents. They really enjoyed it. the The middle, even though I knew it was coming, it took me a little while to get used to. Uh, mm-hmm. because especially because this, this was something I didn't I didn't have. I knew it was coming because I wasn't full on spoil, but I was reading reviews, and one of them did just straight up go, "Oh yeah, he's a cap like sixty percent of the movie." And I'm like, "Okay, I keep that in mind." Watching it the second time was a much more enjoyable experience because uh, they're still definitely getting the uh, themes across. Like, so much of what is touched on in that movie, it, it does one of my things, one of the things that I love, where they do something to bring it full circle. Like, these little moments that Joe and 22 are having with each other and individually, there's genuine purpose to them. So bravo for that. Because uh, I was, was going to say, the, the thing about this and, you know, this being one of my three favorite Pixar movies the past decade... I was gonna say I was saying earlier They have two things in common. I didn't get to the first or to the second, because I said they're not sequels, and all three made me cry. Which obviously I think I think it's it's common knowledge right now that Pixar has a tendency to do that with a lot of their best. Yeah, movies. it's
1: it's a given. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think the like the one exception is like the one that's my absolute favorite. There's just The Incredibles. Like that's that's not a there's nothing that like goes to the heartstrings. There's dark moments. There's emotional moments, but there's no. This is where people tear up because it's primarily an action movie. But you know, Toy Story started started start doing that more and more. Uh, uh, up was is infamous for that. Wall-E I think has a very powerful ending, and like Coco destroyed me. Like I I still remember how much. Yeah that that <laughs>
1: final scene. I think everybody everybody it's who it's the final saw, two scenes.
0: Like- it's I'm not gonna say anything, but it's the it's you know the that one on one emotion like very intimate scene, and then that ending montage of the last song is also just holy shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that
1: is a, that is a film right there <laughs> it is a
0: powerful movie uh i actually i didn't bring up because we haven't recorded since october but uh i had a nice christmas i was able to spend it with family we also have quarantine they got me the coco art book um, oh man and that's, I'm, I'm like super into art books now like tangible yeah, media because I've, <laughs> I've, I've gotten that i've gotten the spider verse art book uh I got the Mario Odyssey art book, the Tell Historia, the uh, Ratchet & Clank art book, one of my favorite uh, game series. It's a roof to Uh But, get, but, it, but anyway, b- both – I definitely recommend – because we talked about Spider-Verse here as well. Uh, if you re- if you love the visual style of both those movies, check them out because they go in-depth. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, let me just t- – actually, before I move on to the theater, and Toshi touch on this on this graphically. I'm sure you noticed – because I didn't see as many people saying this. The character aesthetic for this is a bit different from usual Pixar, like the humans – um, yeah, I
1: noticed that too. And I was wondering if that was like a specific artist because I know like sometimes they'll just be one character designer who kind of translates. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I was wondering that too. I haven't researched it, but it is a, like a universal thing where like you would expect people to look like they do in something like Ratatouille or maybe The Incredibles. The Incredibles is more caricatured than most. Like you look how broad Mr. Incredible is and how like how like slender like some of the women get and stuff like that. But I, I think like Ratatouille is a good go to for the general pixar look or coco as well when there aren't skeletons (laughs) but (laughs) this one is i'd sum it up it's closer to photorealistic but it's still clearly stylized people have still have exaggerated uh proportions their faces and limbs but like their eyes generally aren't as big their overall body proportions are less spindly often joe is spindly but the other characters not so much and when I saw the trailers, I, was, I wasn't I was sure what to make of it, and I was wondering, like, is this going to – when I watch the full thing, is this going to bother me? But uh, no, it's, it's Pixar. They, they make it work. I've actually seen some uh, dissonance about it on Twitter, but please watch the whole movie. I, I don't think it will bother you so much. And Yeah, I'm
1: super interested in, like, getting, getting away from photorealism in, in 3D.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. you're not going to like the other thing I have to say. Uh, the environments in this, like I said, the, the great before is neat, but what really floored me is this movie does a beautiful recreation of New York City. Oh, well, yeah, that's always – I'm in for the characters. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 avoid, avoid that uncanny valley. They they, they avoid that. <laughs> but uh, this is just such a like, – it feels like a love letter to that location because it is slightly cleaned up, but it's not – it doesn't feel disingenuous either because I've visited New York a bunch of times. I have family there. And, like, from the street signs to just how dense it's – I mean, I haven't been there lately. I'm sure even in quarantine it still gets pretty dense just because uh-huh. the population. Just, you know, all these these tight buildings. You get, like, the rails where, like, the the train goes high up and stuff like that. Too. And, and even, like, like, the more dirty and cramped train they have there. I'm kind of spoiled by our DC metro system. But it's just – it is flattering and it is – it does suck you in and – it it helps like keep the middle section from feeling dull and rote. On top of like you have a lot of good individual scenes going on. Like I was like I said I when this that part started the first time I was worried it was going to lose me and it has lost some people. Um, but for me I was like this is just this movie is really charming from beginning to end. But let's get to let's get to the heavy spoiler talk. Um, which I I you like you said you you've you haven't seen it but you have uh kind of spoiled through reviews and Twitter takes, uh. The end of this movie goes pretty deep, like I said, in a way that's going to, I think, talk more to adults. So long story short, through a series of you know, more mishaps and adventures, Joe does get back into his body and make it to – because they do the taking clock thing like you need to be here tonight to perform this gig. And he does and it goes great and he even says like, all right, tonight my life begins for real. This is when everything changes and he has he does it that you can tell they have fun he's into it and actually i should touch on also there's another really ingenious thing they when he he starts exploring the great before there's another like side realm that 22 and another character show him called the zone like this really really, uh spoke to me which is like you know how when you're doing your, your passion and you get you kind of lose yourself in it you're in that like euphoric state yeah, you're and, kind of in that mode. Yeah, and they're like, "This is where your soul goes," and that you can see all these floating souls in the sky doing their thing. But they touch on this is also where lost souls go, which is these kind of lumbering, shadowy, shadowy monsters who seem all all depressed and stuff, and make, doing these like these these muffled. They sound like Charlie Brown teachers almost. And this is where I, where I first was like, "Oh wow, this movie's getting." this movie makes me realize stuff because they're like, these are people who pursue their passions and be in the zone. Like it's, it becomes an addiction and soon they lose themselves in it and they're not enjoying it anymore. And they're not enjoying life. And I was just like, holy shit. Cause I've really been, I'll get back to it. Cause let's, let's get back to the ending where Joe does this gig and you know, they have fun and he brings the house down and he walks out with the quartet and he's, you can tell something's a little off and he's like, I thought I'd feel different after this. And the head of the quartet, uh, played great by Angela Bassett. There's a great, like, supporting cast. Like, uh, Questlove is the drummer. Uh, Daveed Diggs is kind of a detractor of Joe's, the personal barbershop. And actually, the the barber is one of my favorite side characters. He's very charismatic. He, um, I forget his name, but he was on Chappelle's show. And he also has one line Spider-Man 2 that became a meme. He stole that guy's pizza! He stole that guy's pizza! It's that guy. Oh, that <laughs> <Like, my> guy. <God. laughs> yeah. If, if Patrick, if you're listening to this, because I know Spider-Man 2 is one of your favorite movies, it's it's that guy. Uh, and also uh, also related to Patrick, Joe's mother is played by Felicia Rashad, who's been having kind of a renaissance in movies, lately, like with the Creed and stuff. And uh, she was one of his college teachers because she she worked at, a, at a, his New York university. So, small world. So, he goes home and is trying to figure out – oh, no. She has a great monologue. She says uh, – the Angela Bassett character. She says, I know this story where – there's a little fish speaking to an older fish saying like I want to be in the ocean and the guy the older fish says you're you're in the ocean this is it and he's and the fish goes no this is water I want the ocean and like that's the really thing that makes you stop and think even outside of this movie so Joe goes home and when 22 was in his body you know this is what helped her discover simple joys of living like She's, she tries p- tasting for the first time with pizza. She hears a street performer doing this really beautiful music. By the way, another actual artist who was on the Bell show, uh, Cody Chestnut, uh, his his song is, is in the uh, official soundtrack. It's a highlight for me. Uh, also, the uh, whole score in general has done great with uh, Trent Reznor. And okay. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and um, I'm looking up his name. Uh, there's another uh, jazz musician who helped with the actual jazz music, so... Props to him as well. I just I can't find his name right now. I think it's Jean, Jean Baptiste. If I'm remembering correctly. So Joe Joe goes home. Almost wanted wanted to call him Joel for some reason. <laughs> uh, he takes out the things that she had carried in her pocket in her in his pocket, and starts getting in the zone with it. And you realize it cuts back this is what I'm talking about, the Going Full Circle. It flashes back both to those moments of simple enjoying life. And then like the simple pleasures in his throughout his life. Like when he's little, his mom giving him a bath. Like him and his dad listening to a record. Him enjoying him and his mom after probably after his dad died, like enjoying the ocean tide and they're under their feet, him watching fireworks, him bicycling under tree canopies and man, man, this this scene, like I, I, I'll go a little personal here. I've been open on the show about dealing with depression for a while. And one of the things is, is for several years now, I've had a real struggle in terms of uh, experiencing those little moments and appreciating them for what they are like that sort of gratitude and enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. This movie really reinvigorated my drive to get that back in my life because this is when the movie kind of without words plays out its mission statement. Look, it's, it's it's not saying don't pursue your dreams or don't try hard with the things you're good at and the things you're passionate about and stuff like that. But it, I think it is saying don't put all your stock in them. Don't treat yourself – like Joe, Joe says at one point early on like, oh my god, my life was worthless. If I – he's and he says to his mom, I feel, I worry that if I die that right now or now, then my life will be for nothing. And this is saying like n- never go with that view. Like that life itself – Wherever you end up in life, there are always going to be little things that you can appreciate and things with your loved ones, things with nature, things just that just instill a simple, genuine wonder for you, for, for life, for humanity, for this world. And that's what's going, that's what you should strive for. That's what you should, you should appreciate. That's what you should savor. And this is what I'm saying. Like, can you, can you imagine a little kid really appreciating that message? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and
1: I think it's super timely for you know for 2020.
0: Yes, you know, I, yes. For we've had COVID and a lot of hardships, and this is that's what I'm saying. This is telling you to per, to it, it, it may be accidentally, but it's telling you like persevere. There's going to be more of these beautiful moments.
1: And yeah. that that also like hits home for me for just like not being focused on on one thing, just, like just the art. Like yeah. that's that. That's my major conflict in life. Just yeah, you're not talking
0: ma- about how hard you've been, you've been sinking time into artwork lately and, yeah. and yeah, you, you should give this a watch and see how that strikes you. And obviously, you know, art's still important and, and it's in our case and I'm, you're gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep pursuing it, but it's just there to remind you, like, don't let it consume you. Cause it's like, cause also like, have you ever had a time where you're doing so much art where you, you like, you stop enjoying it for a little while? Oh, yeah, definitely. I that's think. what the Lost Soul thing is about. And and it's just such a beautiful, smart representation of that. That something that I never really I hadn't given enough thought to before watching this movie. So, like, this movie is having an effect on my mindset in, in a constructive way. And that's crazy. I didn't expect that. That's, um, I love
1: when movies do that. That's my favorite yeah,
0: thing. And actually, I'm going to get geeky for a second. When I was in high school and The Incredibles came out, because, like I said earlier, uh iron giant was my big go back and go back to our episode on that that was my big i want to do this i didn't know you could do this and for that reason his director brad bird who did both incredibles and ratatouille is my hero and i wrote to him after the was came out to kind of thank him and he wrote back saying oh wow appreciate it keep working at it and uh, because i told him about how i this is even before i was doing movie reviews like analyze movies like what works what doesn't he's like yeah definitely keep doing that and Maybe I should write to Pete Doctor and just say like, "Hey, like many, I've been going through a rough time, and I've been trying. I've been overly consumed with trying to do this this artwork, and I'm certainly not giving up. But I, your movie taught me to try and practice appreciating the little things in life again. And yeah, again, it's very timely. It's very inspirational. And if you've been in a funk, whether to due to world events, due to quarantine, or due to some sort of burnout with anything you, you've been." You know, that means something to you i think this is this is a very meaningful movie to watch for the, for multiple reasons right now and i have a deep respect for it because of that even if i'm saying like i think coco is my favorite pixar movie of the past 10 years as a whole like it's message about music and and family didn't speak to me quite as much but it's like it's got this powerful world this that's the most like like immersive world that pixar has done and i think it's going to tie into uh, our main topic too because that's a recurring theme in it um, oh yeah, yeah. But it 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 also just like I feel like that has it's structure. It's probably structured the best. Like it's not. It doesn't have a jarring middle act. I'm talking about with like where a character becomes a cat and stuff like that. It, <laughs> it 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 transitions to the world of the living to the land, land of the dead very very seamlessly and and vice versa. And like I said, has such a like. I'm not going to go into spoilers, but like the character of Hector, like I felt so much for this guy and when you stop and really really think about what he went through it is heartbreaking yeah and it makes the ending that much more impactful like it's it's a multi-layered thing like you know even taking like the song you know the trademark song and making it such a gut punch um Mm -hmm. but that's that's for another day like soul like as a whole like it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't have the same impact but when you get when it hits in its opening and closing, these these concepts and these morals, I'm like, this is really affecting me, and in, in a meaningful and positive way. And for that, I really, I've been rewatching this movie, and I think it's going to be one I value for a very long time, and come back to when I'm having like low points in life. I'm definitely going to check it out. I, I have to see it. Yeah, I can't guarantee yeah. it'll have the same effect on you, um, especially with it being spoiled. But and also, like I said, everybody has had different takes on this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And that and you were and I think the vast majority of what I've seen of them good and bad are totally valid like mm-hmm. like there are things about representation that they could have done and taken a different approach to, but there are also things about it representation wise that really feel like damn this and that I'm seeing like like Chris was saying like the, the, he has their side character in this who reminds him of, of actual relatives
1: um yeah yeah that's a that's kind of a big deal
0: that's a which is that's something we're you know we're, we're always looking for representation wise more of that please yes yes yeah. i i'm in full agreement with that and you know if it it sounds like that something that might be happening with uh both uh pixar and disney because you know do you see the trailer for uh raya and the last dragon uh i have not actually it's gonna be their next movie it's, it's gonna be a feudal like asian uh setting like fantasy setting and it's a. Uh, it's, uh, what I forget her name, but, um, the actor for Rose from Star Wars. Oh, Kelly Marie Tran and, uh, Aquafina oh, okay. and Aquafina are the leads. Um, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think that could, that could be good. It's, it's being co directed by one of the guys who did Record It Ralph in Zootopia. So I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it'll be, it'll be good. Uh, but yeah, so long story short, Soul, in my opinion, beautiful movie and, if you have disney plus i can think of very few reasons where for me to not recommend this it's it, it's it's short too it's only an hour and a half so even if you don't like it you won't lose much time on it and for me this is this is this is one of those that i'm going to be able to look back I like say like this movie had a huge impact on me so definitely check it out do you just do you think now would be a good time for us to get to our main topic oh uh,
1: yeah sure i copy ta-da
0: so, Ben, last time you you were on, most of the time I let guests uh, pick the, the main topic, and last time you picked Director of Lotus War, which is one I'd been curious about for a long time and ended up enjoying, so that was awesome, and this was one where I had dipped my toes in it, but had uh, kind of gotten distracted by other stuff, and... So this was a great excuse to really dive head head first full on into it. And that is Keep Your Hands Off Azogen. Uh, the very recent 2020 anime from uh, what is the studio called? It's it's uh Masaki the director is Masaki Yuasa, uh, I think it's Science Saru. It's his studio. A, yeah. Yeah. It is based on a manga by Sumito or Single season for now. And I'm really glad you uh, you picked this because this is one that I feel has gotten a lot of hype. But I feel like it is a unique beast of a show, and we're going to get into why. But uh, starting off, like, how did this uh, catch your eye? What was like your initial experience with it?
1: So I'm I'm like heavy in the animation Twitter, and I get into these modes where I don't really watch anything that's popular because uh, I'm always behind, like catching up on something. I Feel you there. And it, 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 it takes me forever to catch up on things. So usually I have to watch one thing at a time, and then. I'll have a backlog, so I noticed when Twitter was like, like going crazy about IsoKen, but I, I wasn't really paying attention to it, so I didn't know what kind of show it was. I didn't know what, what it was about or, or what I was getting into. And um,
0: you were just seeing a lot of memes based off the theme song pose. Is this a bet? Uh, I had seen a
1: lot of art of uh, of Kanamori out of out of context. Oh, uh, we'll talk Kanamori. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, man, people really like that glasses girl. What is the deal with that? And uh, <laughs> little did I know. I had just finished uh, the first season of Kippo, and I was kind of like, man, what am I going to do for my next dopamine fix? And um, Isokin was just like the next thing on the list.
0: Side note, I know I said this to you maybe on Twitter or maybe somewhere else. I still need to watch Kippo, but its art style reminds me so much of yours. Yeah,
1: I love the way it looks. It, I, uh, it looks yeah. so similar. And um, my wife says I only like stuff that looks like my stuff, which is funny. So yeah, I guess it's it's on brand for me, definitely, with like the sure. angular, angular chins and stuff.
0: But uh, but so, yeah, so you started watching Azo, okay?
1: Yeah, and I, I had no idea what it was about. And I kind of just wanted like a nice, calm, after work, slice of life thing. And I thought that's what it was going to be like. I thought it was going to be like girls in school.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, slice of
1: life. I, I, I was so shocked when uh, there's a scene where they exchange sketchbooks and, they, and they're like, I want to be an animator and I want to be an animator. And I, I just was like, wait a minute, is this show? About them being animators, is that what the show is about? It (laughs) blew my mind. Like I think my head exploded. I couldn't believe it.
0: Yes, it's not the very first to ever tackle stuff like this. I know stuff like uh, Animation Runner Kuromi exists. There's certainly uh, individual episodes of shows that did it. Have you ever seen Golden Boy? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I'm not normally into like horny comedy anime, but that one's legit, really funny. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and the last episode of that is totally about like all these the strife that goes with, with the anime production, uh, especially when mm-hmm. you have like, professional deadlines and such, and even um, the Kirby anime. The, the That's the episode that got the reanimated treatment where King Deity makes the whole town make an anime. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and I know that even Western ones have done that too. I know uh, Wander Over Yonder has that viral, who has the patience to do all this? So once you n- realized what this show was, I'm guessing you were hooked? Yeah,
1: and it, I kind of it took me a while to sort of make sense of what i was watching because it's sort of it fluctuates between being like a slice of life show and then also a fantasy yeah this like fantasy but also this love letter to animation but also uh a tutorial kind of series like there's some there's a couple scenes that i I like totally learned some stuff and use it yeah
0: yeah there this tackles so many facets of anime in particular but i think there's a lot you can still apply to animation in general um, yeah it,
1: it makes me excited for like a, a 10 year old that's going to discover this show and, oh yeah. and like like because as a kid um just growing up like uh, information about animation was so scarce yeah i had to it, rely it, on uh, on on books mostly Yeah, books and, like, behind-the-scenes DVDs and stuff like that. I wish
0: I could find it. I don't remember the name. When I was – because I grew up smack dab in the middle of the Disney renaissance, so obviously that was very influential on me. And there was a book that came out around the time of, like, Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin that – was it had like it ended like a with like a section that was like behind the scenes on it but it also was a general retrospective on the studio as a whole and it was i remember being surprisingly honest about some stuff like in terms of like behind the scenes strife or apathy uh during like the downer years like one that i remember struck with me is uh you've seen the rescuers right original yeah yeah um so that came out you know kind of during what's considered the first dark period like that post-walt pre little mermaid day and Mm -hmm. I, they, it goes into a story meeting where because there's a pretty intense scene where they get caught in the tide in a cave and they somebody would pointed out well they're in the bayou there's hardly any tide in the bayou and somebody just responded who cares it's just a cartoon so i kind of appreciate like, like disney was able to like <laughs> admit like sometimes where i was like yeah their heart wasn't in this um yeah i wonder what influence this is having on uh younger artists like people who are or people who are the eight the high school middle school ages of the girls in it
1: yeah, I think that's sort of what taps – like what I like about it. It tapped into a part of my brain that I kind of was missing where – like the the kid part where you just want to make cool stuff and you're not yeah. so concerned about like uh, producing finished work or like Skill making levels. a big project. You're just, yeah. like, you just you just want to draw some dinosaurs or something.
0: You just want and, to draw um, some this, – this t- it took me back to when I was in high school and art college and I just had – tons of sketchbooks full of just i'm just going to draw a character it doesn't matter what it is i'm not gonna put it online it's just and yeah there was no plot it's there was, there, like was a there was no end game it was just for fun for creativity and and this show has kind of helped remind me of that And i'm starting to do that again so thank you Ace, again. but uh one thing i want to touch on is and i brought it up briefly so this is also combined with one of his other resources. This truly really makes me want to check out Masaki Yuasa's work a bit more. My main exposure previously was Devil Man Crybaby, which we did a segment on. Uh I loved it. That that show fucked me up. Uh, I, I also enjoyed that show. Also yes, fucked but, up. But dark as hell. Like you yeah. walk away from it just like, oh my god. But that it's it's being faithful to the manga. That manga is messed up but I, I remember that when he first blew up and i'm so mad at myself that i haven't seen this movie was was mind game he did this basically indie movie that people were like oh yeah i've seen this. that I,
1: I was obsessed with that movie for a little while i still need to see there, it and that kind of put there, him on the map yeah there was a time where you, like, you couldn't get a print copy of it yeah, it was so. unlicensed for
0: a long time in the states
1: yeah yeah now now i think it is now i think you just get on a dvd
0: yeah he also cool. did a uh i believe his first tv show was Kaiba, which i've seen a little bit of i love the art style of it um, I understand it's pretty trippy too. He does deal in a lot of surreal stuff. Um, like, and he kind of has this this very trademark style that when it came, it's it's very. I think the word to describe him his style is loose. Um, yeah, characters can have kind of wavy outlines and motions. They're rarely the most detailed. Like they're distinctive, but they're not. They don't. They're not as. It never looks as solid as most Yeah, I like anyway. how sort of
1: uh, malleable they look.
0: Malleable is a really good word for that. But I remember talking about with uh, with Chris when we did a brief Devil Man segment that, as much as I like that show, I'm more, I would have liked a little more solid look to it. There, it certainly is distinct, but like you look at how they did in uh, '80s Devil Man OAV, that looks a lot more solid. And I'm like that for the tone they were going for. I think that helps a more though. It certainly helps like the more nightmarish portions of it fit fit more. Uh, mm-hmm. But this, because I, I was telling you, I looked up uh, some samples of the manga, which I think it's been licensed, but I was just looking up, you know, you Google Isaac, Isaac and manga. I keep wanting to say Isaac. And, um, and you can see a lot of scanlations and promo art and character designs in this show are pretty faithful. I think this is actually, this was actually a pretty natural fit in terms of who, who to give the animation uh, task to.
1: Yeah, it's almost yeah, like you said, it's a perfect fit, and uh, it's it's super. It translates super well to animation.
0: Yeah, and when you're first starting this, you might be like, "This isn't," because typically he deals in the abstract, he deals in the out there. I'm also I'm also reading that he uh, directed an episode of Adventure Time. Oh, yeah, the bird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't watched much Adventure Time, but that is that I I kind of. I haven't either. I, I like sought that one out and watched that specific episode. It's I should just pretty do that good too. I, I'm more of a Steven Universe regular show guy, um, <laughs> but he he's definitely got you know he's definitely got a following here, and he's definitely blown up in in recent years. He's doing a lot. He's doing Lou over the wall, uh, the night of short walk on girl, which is going to get a dub on HBO Max soon. So I'll probably check it out then. Um, he did an episode of Space Dandy. Like he's he's kind of yeah, guessed
1: he's, it on. He got a pretty busy like. Five or six years, maybe.
0: Japan, sinks, years, he's got something coming out next year called Inu Inuo. He's, yeah, he, he he did character design for Wack Fu. This this guy's gotten around. Wow. Um, but yeah, certainly, I think he probably got a passion for this stuff, and we'll move on from. But I'm looking at on his Wikipedia page. It lists some of his influences, and he says it's pretty varied. He says Tex Avery, yellow submarine, fantastic planet, the Fox and the Hound, the wrong trousers. Like oh, wow, he drew from all like areas and even like mediums. It feels
1: actually, it's not very, su- super surprising. And I really like how, um, like he seems super Western influenced
0: somewhat. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel like he's just kind of doing his own thing. If, if I'm being honest, uh, but he's drawing, yeah. he's drawing influence from various things, kind of like – it's kind of like how Miyazaki was influenced by, like, Fleischer stuff growing up. Like, he, mm-hmm. he has some Western influence, too, even if it's not the most obvious. Um, and it's just kind of funny how now we have a lot of artists who are in the West who are being influenced by anime and stuff. It's just – these things are cyclical. Mm-hmm. Or cyclical. It's, cyclical isn't, isn't a real word. But let's get, to, let's get into this show. So I guess the main character would be Asakusa. Um I don't yes, know I'm saying that I right. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's this, uh, I might butcher their names. I might a too.
0: <laughs> um but I but so what but we have Asakusa, Mizusaki, and The big one, Uh the Kanamori. I'm not saying big one, that she's the main character, but uh, I think she's definitely the one that leaves the biggest impact. Yeah, Um, definitely. But this opening scene with Asakusa, and she has her breakthrough moment. She has her Thundercats Iron Giant moment watching, essentially Future Boy Conan, which is a show that Miyake did early in his career, and I should watch that sometime. And she says it. She says, like, this is when it struck me there are people making this. There are people uh, taking into account all these different things and working these different departments and working together to make this beautiful whole and from then on she's obsessed with it and she's a very she's a she's a quirky person herself like especially when you get more in the show you realize she is very you get when you get her backstory with kind of when they're at the con she's a super introvert um and she's okay mm-hmm. with that it's not like she's feeling super lonely she's she just she doesn't handle crowds well and she's really happy in her in her own world in her own imagination and i think it's, it's also a neat contrast where if we're speaking to like te- on a technical level, when, when Asakusa and Misusaki start meeting, like the interesting thing is Asakusa is, is conceptual. She does background background work, concept art, like te- uh, technological ideas, and occasional characters. And Misusaki is more on character design and movement. She, when we get her flashback episode, we she's always been obsessed with the movement and the flow of things, like body acting and and angles, and like she talks about like the timing in conversations. So they kind of it kind of makes sense that these two can collaborate because they both have different strengths and focuses.
1: Yeah. And the the conversations they have are so specific to somebody who's obsessed with animation. Yes. Like it's, it's super authentic.
0: Yes. And um, this is what we're talking about. Like we'll save it for the end, but but, like this, this show is, I think the show is great. And and I obviously do as well, but it's not one that can be as easily recommended as a lot of anime. And we'll, and it, it, we'll get more into that, but and so we've talked. I think also the thing that uh, it's really cool how, like, each of these three girls brings different dynamics to the trio. Because, like I said, Azakusa is the most reclusive, but and really gets herself immersed in in, in these ideas. Like, that, there's that recurring phrase she has like, the most perfect world, the most beautiful world, something like that. Mm hmm. That's part of that that really spoke to me because I'm sure we all have some things, some pieces of media, even, like, really obscure ones that really felt you immersed in, in like, a made-up world in ways you can't put into words. But it was so wonderful to experience. Definitely.
1: And just her – there's something about her energy that I really relate to. Yeah. Like, I feel like her running around with that hat is what I do. And that backpack. In the time when we used to go to offices. Uh, that's what I used to do in the office. Sure, sure. It's, it's uh, definitely like a relatable kind of um, like energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, And so we have her like doing that. We have uh, Mizu Saki, which I feel like it's kind of funny. I feel like you can – the middle portion of the show kind of gives her a little arc and makes her the focus. And then as- uh, Asakusa gets the, be- the very beginning and then the last couple episodes and Kanamori gets kind of sprinkled in. She doesn't really have an arc as much as the others and there's a reason for that that we'll get to. And Mizusaki, I like the fact that she, the, the big difference with her, she's a legit celebrity. Yeah, that's
1: super interesting that like, uh, she's kind of, an actor already,
0: and she's, she wants to be an actor. She's a model, and her parents are famous actors. That's um, what it is.
1: Yeah, they want her to be an actor.
0: Yes, and she's already yeah, she's already a teen model. Um, I love the part where they get on a uh, a subway, and you you I think you even realize before they do, like all, all, almost all the ads on the train have her. Like right, right. She is every like, like, they
1: go somewhere, and there's like a crowd. Yeah, the, the, every
0: time she's somewhere, there she is, and and you know she'll shake hands and stuff like that. But she, she's not, like, bitter about it, about that. She just doesn't want her whole life and career – She her real passion lies in this art. But, uh, you know, they realize if we want to – because a lot of the major conflict comes from once they establish their club is trying to make sure they can both do their productions on time and deal with outside interference from, you know – because you've got the chaotic politics of of school clubs and representatives. That was the um, was that the school disciplinary committee, I think something like that, like the student council. Yeah, counsel, um, yeah. May, I, the two that stuck out to me were that girl with pigtails and shark teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think the main one is the the dark skinned girl. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though she, by the end, she isn't as malicious as she makes her out to be, but she wants to make sure she really is making sure she wants to make sure everything's done by the book. Also, side note: They are adapting this into a live action uh, show and movie, and they straight up cast a blocked actress for that character.
1: Oh yeah, I didn't know how I felt about the idea of. It seemed almost blasphemous to make this live action, considering yeah. like the sketchbook scenes. But I guess, I guess that's okay that's just too. what Japan does. Uh, yeah, not, yeah. I feel like idea. they got they got to get the um the the, the, the drama market.
0: Yeah, strike while the iron's hot. Also, Um, I certainly hope they do another another season. They 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 certainly leave it like they could do more if they wanted, but we'll see. But okay, do we want to talk about Kanamori? Yeah,
1: Kanamori. Every episode, she has like a quote that you could just print and put in a frame and
0: hang it over your drawing table. I I wrote I wrote one down. uh, I'll settle the issue with money or violence. (laughs) My my favorite
1: is there's no such thing as a door that doesn't open as she proceeds to kick the door.
0: Oh, I got another one that I really relate to. There is nothing fun about social media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I have never quite seen a character like Kanamori. I haven't either. Not to this degree. Like, she is vicious. I don't know how she is so no-nonsense. She is so, I want to say scheming. But it's not quite evil scheming, but it is like – sometimes it can be like ethics be damned. Like she always has that phone camera and she will blackmail people if she catches them <laughs> doing shady shit. Um, she is about getting the job done. And
1: that, that's, that's, that's the best
0: way to sum it up. She's like, I'm not going to sugarcoat things for you. I'm going to do what I have to do to make this happen. And she's not in it because she loves animation. She's not involved with the production. Well, no, she is the producer, which if you understand that, that's about gathering the funds and convincing people to invest and work on this thing and promote it and then and, and get it off the ground keep it going. And she's got a shrewd eye for that. Like they established from a young age, she was sa- business and money savvy. And it's kind of by chance that she befriends Asakusa and starts to be like, oh, I see what you mean. I mean, I, I don't give a crap about this animation but it is a legit money making industry hmm.
1: we, and, we all need a Kanamori <laughs> to tell us to uh, make money
0: yeah as, as unpleasant as she can be at points you she's not wrong <laughs> and, and just her design too like the fact that she is always baring her teeth and Like yeah her like Simpsons checker teeth <laughs> uh, yeah there isn't like a specific story reason why it has to be there but you it's it, like that and her shades on her, on her forehead like and her just her extreme height and like lanky boxy face and jaw and it's it's a very her design personality really stick out
1: and after after seeing that first episode i was like i understand i see why there's so much fan art (laughs) yeah i totally totally get it
0: yeah um but let's, let's get more into – and one, one thing I want to talk, on before we get into individual scenes and moments, the world of this show, the town of Shibahama, as far as I can tell, it's made up. It's like a character in itself. Uh, you know, one thing I was wondering, I was like is I, – I, I was suspecting
1: is this going to expand into some kind of fantasy story just because of how over-designed the town was. It, but then I, I guess that was just like
0: – No, uh, there's – tr- the, the fantasy is more the fantasy island is more like symbolic and we'll get into yeah. that but uh it's yeah i've never quite seen an area like this because it's metropolitan but it also has like a modest feel to it it's seaside uh so many of the areas are industrial and maze-like they even do some word building in the same one part yeah there's there used to be a river here that's why the, the roads are so windy and there's signs of more advanced architecture and technology the one that sticks out to me is they have voice activated food ordering all um, right. Oh, right, yeah. And and subway terminals. I wrote here, the way I sum it up is, it is close to ours in a lot of ways, but with enough noticeable differences to make it distinct. And, okay, another thing I want to bring up, because I remember I had seen some random tweet where people were talking about, like, if there was some stuff representing global warming. And I was like, because they're by the sea. And then you get to that submerged city section.
1: Oh, yeah, like maybe this takes place in like... Okay, the here's the other thing future. I want to... Bring up.
0: Yeah, here's the thing I want to blow your mind because I was searching up for any part of the city and I would assume this is intentional. There's a blinking you miss it in the first in one of the first episodes where they're looking for a room and and um uh Mizusaki is Doctor area and they're like, No, somebody already lives in there. You can see a calendar with the year. The last edge is cut off, but it's two zero five. Oh wow. So this show may be set like thirty years, forty years in the future.
1: Man, Now I have to like pour through every frame of it.
0: The... <laughs> or you can Google it. I maybe that's you like, get any links. Every like... yeah, or do but that. It, it so makes sense. So cool. it's like you've got. There's still. It actually
1: does make sense because there's that scene where they find all that animation equipment. Yeah, and they're well, like, me... they're like, this is old stuff, and uh, but they're still using my computers and stuff, like yeah, stuff you... yeah. So I, didn't, um, I didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, and this this school, those clubs seem pretty in depth. I gotta say, maybe that's just a Japanese thing. But like when they introduced the sound club, I'm like, that is a badass thing to have. And I like that. I like that character uh, too, Domeki. Uh, she kind of becomes like a sidekick to them, and she she kind of has that same thing with like wanting perfect sound and understanding like waveforms. I love when they represent waveforms. And uh, Asakusa is like, was that grass? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've been using Audacity. So I'm looking at a waveform right now as we're recording this. It's right. Really right. Green, but there you go. What's another topic you'd like to bring up? Cause I'm just going through my notes.
1: I, I think it's interesting how meta it is that like there, there's a scene with, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher her name. Miza a, yeah. <laughs> where she's swinging the machete and, um, the, the meta of how good the animation of her swinging the machete is versus her animation referenced, Using her own reference to the machete, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, that kind of just trips me out. Like, how, how, how there's like double. Like, they'll be like, look at this reference. And then it's like somebody, like for them, it's real reference, but it's like superb animation in context of the show.
0: Oh, the part where they're looking at another studio? Yeah. And
1: then they'll do their animation based on that reference. And then it's like different. And that kind of blows my mind how. Yeah, how there's, like, kind of meta thing happening with the animation.
0: Oh, yeah. there's There was a lot of thought put into this show, I got to say. like, like they're, And I don't know how much of this we credit the uh, the manga and how much of it. I, with the anime like this, I usually I usually view it mutually because they often – you know, often stuff can get changed when being adapted for various reasons. Uh, reasons that they go into this, like I, – I think we're probably going to be skipping around a bit, but the, the last conflict in the finale where they get their, their music track –
1: Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah.
0: That threw me for a loop. I was like, <laughs> what's the last episode going to be about? There's they're done. And then they get this music that just doesn't fit cuz they they got a kind of big name indie DJ or something and yeah, that's like,
1: so authentic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where somebody is just not on the same page as you and you're like, we got yeah. to somehow. And so they're like, let's do some edits and totally redo the ending. I'm I'm just looking at like I I have I made so many notes about this. Like this is such this is a show you can really dive into and 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 dissect.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I really um, I was thinking about how many sort of like individual tutorials they sneak in there. Yeah, like there's a whole section where they they talk about firing a missile in a tank and how you don't have to show the arc. You don't have to show the arc of the bullet and stuff. And I remember I actually tried it. I was like, going to try that with the next opportunity I get. And I was like, wow, it works.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> they also go into Asakusa Tan takes it too far when she's talking about. um lasers being invisible because that's how they are, they are in real life and come' yeah, is like we're just, making mass so media much,
1: there's so much actual real world content to learn from in there yeah even for somebody who's like uh, you know an adult who's been doing animation
0: yeah this show can still teach us this thing or two or teach you oh, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you want do you want to know one that I really took away what's uh, that when they're working on their I believe the second short is the, the robot versus the, the giant enemy oh it's not a giant enemy crab it's a crab tool it's like a turtle crab. Yeah. It's, a, it's an Avatar the Last Airbender animal. I think it happens by accident, but they say, like, why don't we, during this, like, big, like, triumphant moment of the action scene, cut out the music for a few seconds, like, accentuate it. And they play it, and it works. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm writing that down. Cause, yeah, that's uh, such a, they have, they
1: have so many, like,
0: of those. So many like, of those aha uh-huh uh-huh moments.
1: Uh-huh. And they're so like they res- all that stuff really resonated with me. I'm like, I do that all the time. <laughs> I've done that too.
0: Yeah, and I'm do- I'm talking about like, like like I'm also I'm also noticing a little touch of authenticity because you were talking about when they discover the old anime stuff where they discover like roughs of the windmill of the building they're in with uh, the- when they point out the blades need to be angled. They find like old cells. They find like an old like multiplane camera for cells. And uh, I I love when they pull up this like uh, old like sci-fi alien on a like a starry background. And did you notice they like digitally recreated the like those uneven brushstrokes of old physically made anime? I
1: didn't um, see that. I didn't notice. Yeah, if you go
0: back and pause it, they they didn't just like they 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 clearly like no no no. Let's make this look because cause old old anime from the pre-digital days has a specific look to it that you yeah kind of like
1: crispy cell like uh like in, imperfect
0: lines yeah, yeah choppy speckled and I, uh, it's i'm i i kind of like how clean things look now but i also it's it is kind of like a, a lost style and be neat to see more people apply it i know i haven't watched it. i know mega low box kind of tried to do something like that where they it's upscaled from 480p to make it look more like like it's on film or something have you seen that yeah, show? I've seen that. Like,
1: it I, I looks authentic. It definitely looks like a two thousand four like DVD that you're watching in a Blu-ray player.
0: Okay, but still, but still digital.
1: Yeah, still digital. It is. It's so subtle. I wonder if it's worth the trouble.
0: I don't know? know if other shows have done that, so maybe it wasn't. But I've heard that show's good. But there's just a lot of other stuff. I think we are. It's okay. It's okay that we're kind of skipping all over the place because this, this, there's just so much. There's so much to highlight about this show. Like. Mizusaki's flashback part halfway through the show where it's kind of showing her her obsession like her grandmother throwing the tea and she's amazed by how smoothly and far she throws and keeps trying to recreate it and clean it up
1: yeah i I like relate to that so hard because like i I said before I, i like grew up wanting to be an animator so there's so many scenes where uh they have flashbacks where i'm like oh i'm not crazy like somebody else obviously the person that made this show
0: uh, like, people went through the same thing. The writers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine my, my big one was because I think I've realized I'm more into uh I think like i I still am working on animation, but I think my inner strengths lie in character design and writing. But mm-hmm. uh one of the things they said like late in the show, uh where they imagine like I think we should talk about the fantasies, but uh, I'll just say real quick, they imagine like cranes becoming like quadrupeds, like construction cranes and, and like fighting a tower and stuff like that. And they say like, yeah, I used to pass us these things on the road and imagine that all the time. And that, maybe not specifically cranes, but yeah, you when I was little, we would drive by objects or uh, structures and I would imagine them as creatures or moving. And I'm like, holy shit, this, this I'm connecting
1: with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just like how much of your
0: like imagination
1: was involved with with your art?
0: Yeah, without... that imagination is like such a uh, key part of 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 all sorts of an, of of animation, and that's why another thing I wrote down here, like Oscars has this revelation late in the show that she kind of realizes like her work is a performance, like I right. oh I'm not just I'm a performer. And
1: yeah, I, th- I think kind of her thing was that she had been over animating the whole show, yeah. And uh, I think her arc is sort of like realizing not to be so focused on the animation and more so the performance. Sure, and I was is, like, I was like, I learned that lesson too just now,
0: <laughs> yeah. Was that that's kind of what uh, what Misusaki is, is is focused on is the performance, yeah, um, yeah. And but I, I that's something that I've been told often and I do take it to heart like animation is. A form of asion's own it's a melding of work by depending on the project like always an animator but you can have a uh, designer you can have uh voice actors sound foley artists and musicians like it's something can be done by one person like we, we, we you know you have chris slash i have i'm working on spacious um but it's like just the the fact that you it's this beautiful it makes this beautiful whole and yeah it really is
1: like this this collaboration that like comes together and kind of you don't you don't really get a big sense of what it is until you sit there and look at it like i'm pretty sure right. there's a scene like where they, they all uh i think they look at the machete girl yes but yeah, yeah it really is like a like a a soup being made by multiple <laughs> multiple chefs
0: <laughs> yeah i think they say something like that yeah yeah there's a lot of very like japanese like euphemisms and stuff like that but i think that's yeah. the that's the charm of this show um, I'm kind of curious how if it got if it got if it ever got dubbed. I feel like they'd have to do some rewrites, and I feel like it might lose something. For yeah,
1: I'd be interested to see how they pull it off. Uh, I feel yeah. like it might lose something too. Cause I normally something... am
0: pro pro dub because the it's not like the old days where you would get a lot of a lot of bad ones. Now, like it's also it's yeah. the same as animation. You've got a lot of a lot of this like latest generation of, of anime voice actors who've grown up on this on this field and understand it. And, yeah, and in, in
1: my old age, I just I, I prefer the dub nowadays. Anyway, oh yeah, there was a time. Our,
0: go back to our Lotus episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I said that then.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we, we I flip flop between the dub and sub, and and as what it was doing anyway. We're not going to talk about Lotus, <laughs> um, but let's talk about these fantasy scenes because this, uh this was something that took me by surprise when you get to the end of the first episode because typically every episode has, like, the characters are acting out their scenes and they basically imagine themselves in it, and the background and object design around them changes this more sketchy watercolor thing to to emphasize this is their creativity this is their world they're making it's really cool
1: it's really interesting and i love how um like when they're making the helicopter thing they're wearing like uh like the oh, construction stuff
0: yes they're often accessorized for
1: it and as guys are like adding stuff and, and they're like let's, let's put a wing here yes and that's, it's it's super fun because that does what it, it, it feels
0: like that my you're, you're favorite little touch is did you notice how many of the sound effects in it are man-made like they're using their mouths
1: yeah they're like ka and
0: <laughs> my, i think my favorite is is a blade or something and it's it's uh asuka's going e <laughs> it's it's charming yeah and, and it uh, really it, it like makes me want to buy a sketchbook i'm like man i haven't had a sketchbook in a long time oh i have a bunch of sketchbooks i have a i actually have one i do for just casual sketching and one for anatomy um Oh, side, shout out to Soul. There's a part where uh, he's trying to teach 22. There, cause the idea is the soul, the unborn souls need to find their spark, uh, like something that motivates them to be a living. Because you go to the hall of everything, but you can try out like every craft and hobby and profession. And there's Ooh. a quick shot of her trying to paint. And she just, it's the most relatable as an artist, as a, as a you know, someone who draws the line. She's goes, she's very matter-of-factly goes, hands are hard. Because <laughs> for anybody who's listening who doesn't draw, hands are a bitch. They are so hard. I, I may like. I
1: think I learned how to draw hands maybe last year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let me put it this way: you've got one base and five individual parts shutting out that have multiple parts that bend in on themselves and and can be done in different it combinations and from different, different angles. At every angle, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. I still haven't haven't mastered it, but uh, that's part of that's part that's part of the, that's that comes with the territory um but i also like how we're talking the fantasies there are points where the fantasies that stand they're kind of used to symbolically show how it's affecting when they're showing their finished works to the audience when they do their first short and like they see there's like wind blowing back at them one of the guys when the boys sees like a cannon shell smoking in the corner um you hear them oh, saying like did they do 40 did they like what did they do here that they did some neat stuff
1: I really, I really love that part. That's that's like one of my favorite scenes. Like when the shell pops out, because yeah. I, I feel like that's what it's like when when you're, when you're especially in, when, when you're in it it it. something and you're, and you're showing like a room of people. I like guess they, they're getting you're into it and they feel it. It definitely feels like that.
0: Yes, I, I think – there's a point I feel like drives the point home where you see this one boy. He looks off to his side and sees a cancer. I cut back to him and he goes, he goes like, huh? And rubs his eyes. And I feel like in any other <laughs> show, it would cut back to show nothing. It cuts back. The shell's still there. And right. And it's not saying like this is the – like in this world, they've become physical. But it's so like, no, this is the impact they're having. Like mm-hmm. it's abstract, but it works. And right? I also
1: just love that the girls the, – the characters are are super talented in the context Yes, of the show. Like there, there was a moment when they, they exchanged their sketchbooks and they're just flipping through them. And I was like, wow, they are <laughs> yeah. so good.
0: Yeah, I, I am I'm – I'm playing catch-up. I, I like get, getting real. I, I didn't do well in art school and that kind of killed my confidence for a decade until I was like, no, I still want to do this. So now I'm in my early 30s and I'm, I'm still – I'm not at the average skill level for that. But, you know, you just just keep doing it. And it's oh, yeah, thankfully yeah. it's not – I've spoken to some people who are professionals. And it's thankfully not an industry that has like an ageist uh, thing going on. Yeah, and but, I think I think the key is just to keep having fun and, and finding yeah stuff. to not to not give up um yeah, and also on oh my soul to not get to not let it consume you um, yeah, that's too yeah, like these the are two works, the two things we're discussing today they're they're certainly different in tone and subject, but there's some they both encourage in different ways creativity and self expression, yeah, definitely, and it's a good, um good double feature
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely similar.
0: Yeah I, actually, yeah, I actually cannot. I could totally see a lot of people loving Soul and hating uh, Aizu K and vice versa. They're very different. Yeah, no. A Pixar movie is very yeah. different from this show.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't say they're similar. They're, they're uh, in the same wheelhouse as far as like theme, I guess.
0: Yes, yes. So, uh, Soul Sisters. Oh, that was terrible. I take that. I, I, regret, <laughs> I regret saying that the moment I started saying it. <laughs> um, but like, uh, uh, I'm going to skim through my nose, but if you have any other topics that you want to bring up, go for it. Just uh, the last thing I,
1: I could say is just that it, it, it was, like, timed perfectly. Like, it was, I, I kind of needed to see a show like that to remind me.
0: It wrapped up, that, like, right as the pandemic was starting. Um, so yeah, yeah. could totally yeah. see, like, cooped up artists. Like, in my case, I just discovered this at the start of the year. Um, and,
1: and I kind of, like, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, th- I think we didn't really have our home workflow figured out. so no, it was yeah, kinda, everybody had to adjust. It's just, like, drawing in a void. And I, I kind of needed something to remind me, you know. The wonder of it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And um, okay, I, I do have some nice. One of my favorite, because they, they I've, the fan sequences are often, also often where we get some like some some little asides. Do you remember when they like set off an explosion in a skyscraper? <laughs> and oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody asks uh, Asakusa, like, when the building collapsed after that explosion, and she goes, "It's fictional, so we're fine." <laughs> <laughs> like she's still somewhat playing by like action movie logic or action anime. And I was also like the third episode's first fantasy. Basically, at one point, turns into the anime adaptation of the movie Gravity, where they're out in a satellite. Yeah, and like, re yeah, starts yeah. Messing them up, I'm like, oh, there's I also, I love how they,
1: they can't get anything done without like succumbing to a fantasy.
0: <laughs> uh, but I, I think I can. We can both relate to that. Where, and it's like Connemara like, comes back in, and they're, and they're in her in robot, like doing something
1: <laughs> weird in the robot with
0: Rose. Yeah, yeah. And she, but she, like, she does back to work. <laughs> she does at least let humors them for a bit, like in the fantasy. She's saying like, so what does this mean? What is this? What is this doing? Like, she's she's using her imagination somewhat, but you're never going to see her sitting at the drawing board. She's mm-hmm. too busy blackmailing people and negotiating, and yeah, I've just got
1: so. much. Well, my people. favorite thing about her though is she does. Uh, she facilitates their ability to work.
0: Yeah, no, she totally, she totally has has her purpose and and does it well. Oh, oh man, I'm, we we didn't even talk about because um, there are like it is mostly the, the the amount of characters in the show is very small, even counting the ones you see recurring like side characters, um, mm. like the chairman who's just obsessed with how heavy his beard feels. And he's all <laughs> he's just super chill. Like I'm just well, I'm supposed to monitor you guys. I'm gonna sit in my car and play handheld games. Um, it's just he—he doesn't have a huge purpose in the show, but every time he showed up, I was just charmed by him, or uh, the the eccentric guy from the robot club who kind of has their ideals but for robots and isn't as good as getting his. Thoughts he decides he has to destroy their project because uh, their robots he, are wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he <laughs> just goes off on this. On this monologue, the funny thing is Kyle Mori is just about to own him, but then Asuka is like so moved, like, I'm the same way. And she's like, really? <laughs> and to be fair, he proves his worth at the festival. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> the most, like, action-packed part. And how many times did he go, da-da-da, da-da-da, <laughs> running around in that boxy suit and, like, like zip lining, like, <laughs> like props to you, guy. You, you gained some respect for me after that. And also when, when the part where it basically turns because the security club gets involved, there's a club for security guards, basically so it's a crazy <laughs> school, but it basically turns into a stealth game for a moment. Uh, he's uh, like guiding the last her episode or, uh, which would we'll go, ahead, sorry, we'll go ahead one more
1: time. Was that like towards the, the final episode or was that the one where they first met where they were like running and
0: being chased? Oh no, no. Towards the end of the film fest, uh, the, the student festival where she's in the robot suit and like, uh, Kanamori is 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 telling her over the radio like, "All right, hug the wall and pull all pause." Now go down this oh, hallway. Oh, that's, right, that's right, Yeah, she's totally like solid, snaking, assassin creating, splinter selling, but she has and she has an oticon on the on the other line. Uh, so I guess uh, Kanamori is the polar opposite of something like that. Um, <laughs> and it also is really cool when we uh, the the show pauses I and mean, we get to see their finished shorts because that's when it's just like some major like sakuga, basically like. Yeah, you that's these, such a
1: payoff to, like, see... Yeah,
0: yeah, You they, they don't tease you about it. You get to see the whole thing, and they're, it, they it are...
1: really. It, I think one thing that's interesting is it really feels like it's them that did it. And yes, because like, you've,
0: you've seen each step.
1: Yeah, it's not like, here's the part where the... Here's the shiny animation done by the studio that they did. It, it really feels like they did it with their own hands. Yeah, it feels hand.
0: authentic. Like, and yeah. I, I wrote a note here about, um, I think I, like, like the... Final short uh, is like – if I'm being honest, I still think initially the music doesn't fit because you got this these big action set pieces and it's very morose and mellow. But when they get to this like very – very downer and thought-provoking ending, then you're like, I get it. You made it work. Right, uh, right. I, I also cannot unsee how they kind of have – because they go have these armies of humans and Kappas. Uh, go back to our Ninja Turtles episode for a discuss, discussion of Kappas. <laughs> um, but – all I could see was Morty. They oh looked, yeah, yeah. They look like an anime version of Morty, <laughs> which is funny because there's been an official Rick and Morty anime short. Um, I think it's called like yeah, Genocide or something. I haven't watched it, but like you know, it all connects.
1: But that that whole thing where she's like down to the wire, trying to figure out the story is also very
0: authentic. Yes. Oh, she gets writer's <laughs> block, and yeah, uh, yeah, she they do so much, and she has to keep going. Like like I'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll get it. You'll get it in there, and that's I think that's when, when Katamori is at her most pissed like uh-huh. she's just she's just so she already has so little patience and then she's just like no you don't get it without this the short doesn't work why <laughs> you can't just keep saying you're gonna you gotta sit down and do this um even though they're like one of my favorite uh like when they do the I think they call it like sound scouting or something like that when they're oh, going out to like doing, when they
1: go out in the field and like yeah, Do foley yeah.
0: work with like the bells and, and, and the uh, like the, the clock tower. And that game that finally gives her some inspiration. It is it is just funny. I I, I think I've had some, some times where like real life events like that shape ideas. I just can't think of any right now, but maybe once I start doing more uh, spacious little like spacious is one that I think is more directly influenced by specific animation and and, and vibes that I get from things I like. Um but- I feel like that's the
1: general vibe of the show too, is like like I want you to go out and explore and, and figure out yeah. like your environment and base your base your work on that.
0: And actually, um Soul is also it's not going for base your work on your environment, but it is telling you to um soak in the little details of your environment. Like
1: Or sort of just like pull from your influences,
0: I guess is a Yeah. Yeah, pull from life draw yeah. from life, or like work from life. And obviously, you know, we're, we're, it's, that stuff is compromised right now with the pandemic, but it's not all gone. I'm, I'm at my parents' farmhouse right now and I'm just going on this like dirt trail with these wide open skies and fields and it's pretty quiet and I'm just able to soak in some atmosphere there and have some, some peace of mind. And it's really cool. And uh, I've also, I also would recommend uh, doing some meditation. And if, if, if you, if you're stuck at home, uh, I've been building a little Spotify playlist for, for meditative music and it, it really does the trick, but uh, I kind of feel like we're starting to wind down on things. So, any other big takeaways or, or things you want to bring up, or do you want to move on to like closing thoughts?
1: Um, I just, I just think this is like gonna be uh, a sleeper hit, maybe, and I, I, I hope think it
0: already is. Yeah, maybe I it is. I don't know. A lot.
1: <laughs> but I, I hope I hope like kids find it and discover it and like want to become animators because they yeah. watch this.
0: yeah. Uh, I, I like love that, it.
1: the idea that makes me really excited. And I, I just hope anybody else who uh like I I hope somebody else can recreate the, the scenario I had where like you're an animator and you had no idea what the show was about. And you could sort of oh, experience yeah. it that way.
0: Isn't that awesome when you when you go in blind to something and, and Yeah, that was impressive.
1: almost like such a it was such a shock to the system, I couldn't believe
0: it. I had one uh two Christmases ago. Um and maybe I'll pick it for the uh this is this is a total side tangent. Have you ever heard of the movie uh Deadly Games or Dial Code Santa Claus? I have not. Okay, so real quick, um, this is if you don't mind this little tangent. This is a late '80s French thriller film uh, that made a huge splash at its initial like film festival run, but it kind of flopped in France and never got distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's basically about this rich kid who uh, a crazy guy dressed as Santa sneaks into his his mansion on uh, Christmas Eve. And a lot of people compare it to Home Alone where he's trying to you know he's laying traps and he's trying to outwit it and stay alive uh, but it is much more both uh, fantastical like there's there's some sense of like fantasy to it's, it's setting and stuff and uh, gritty like there's death in it there's legit stakes and scary parts in it and I heard about it on a podcast and just checked it out because it was streaming somewhere and it blew me away it is one of my wow. like, favorite like genre Christmas movies now and I made just last week I made my first ever 4K Blu-ray purchase because uh Vinegar Syndrome who's like a cult movie distributor kind of like the equivalent of Discotech for anime mm-hmm. um they released a Blu-ray 4K combo you can't get it just Blu-ray and so I bought it for $50 cuz I love this movie that much and there's a real there's a real chance I may uh pick it for if not Christmas then maybe a Christmas in July pick I think I have an idea who I'd like to ask for it for to see about it but uh <laughs> Uh, Ezeken, <laughs> I gotta, gotta check that out yeah I'll send you a link about it um, but Ezeken, uh I, I'm gonna say this I touched on this a little bit but I'm gonna be more succinct here I, I really like this show I think this is a very unique and genuine piece of work for like what what we've gone into like this, this is by I think both the manga and the anime this is made by people who genuinely love animation and they're it's almost probably autobiographical for them in a sense they're talking about these things they've been through when they were younger, when they were making work of their own. And it's great, but it is... I'm going to say right now, this is not one I can quickly and easily just recommend to everyone. Like, oh, yes, you can watch this. No question to ask. Like, if you were mainly into anime for smooth and flashy visuals and, like, intense plots... I said plots? Intense plots and conflicts and that sort of stuff, like conventional anime, and if the idea of something that goes more... into the more technical... And slow pace behind the scenes side of animation work, if that doesn't fascinate you, there's a good chance you'll be bored by this. But if you're yeah, like, Yeah, that us, is that ahead. is the
1: one thing I'll say. It's it's kinda it does have long, slow stretches. It's acquired taste. Yeah.
0: But if you were like us and even if you don't make or draw cartoons, but if you are fascinated by that process, or or even if or if you or if you do make your cartoons, you want to you want some good pointers. Uh, it's a really unique and refreshing thing to lose yourself in for a bit. It's also a quick watch; only twelve episodes. I don't know if they've said anything. It might be too soon for them to say anything about second season, and that, that might come down to how well it did in Japan, especially. But if it's done well enough to also get live action adaptation, then I'm ho- and I believe the uh, manga is still running. Let me check yes, it is. So we could we could conceivably see more of this. And the way it ends is, it's not like some note of finality. It's they finish their third one, they and then they they want to do more.
1: Yeah, I really hope there's a second one. Would, I'm sort of, I'm so hungry for it.
0: <laughs> I would be, I would be for it, but I may, actually, I may actually pick up the manga. And I don't, I'm not someone who do, usually does that. Um, yeah, same. I, I'm usually, I, I'm
1: like, I want the animation, but I'm, I'm so, uh, antsy to see what happens.
0: I'd also like to, uh, I'd also like to look more at like the the background art in the manga. Gets very detailed. It's still, because it, it still has these simple, flatter, simpler, and flatter uh, character designs like the anime. But I get the sense that. Uh, Sumitou Awara has done some definite practice when it comes to environments, but yeah. Long story short, this is an excellent show, and if you think that you are uh, within the target demographic, that we based on what we've said, check it out. I believe it's on uh, Crunchyroll. You can probably find it if you shop around it, or, or or purchase it. And when when you know when we're in time right now, we're we're kind of forced to stay indoors and and not you know accentuate things as much and not flourish as much uh this is a really good motivational work for artists
1: yeah i, I strongly agree and i think it, it also just like i think it'll uplift people and make you feel better too i've been like just looking for content like that sure just plenty of people it's like upbeat dopamine yeah, high energy I get, yeah
0: i'm like i'm i'm one of those people who are like why do you want to play the last of us 2 right now exactly that's <laughs> the
1: same thing I, I have not played it and i don't like I don't want to play it now. Maybe like a year from now or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, when things are a little <laughs> more normal again. But uh, especially yeah. especially one that revolves a series that revolves around a pandemic. I'm like, I don't want to be reminded of that. Yeah, um, I'm like, I need my
1: escapism to be like far away from
0: real life. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but so this is bringing things to a close. And again, thanks so much, Ben, for uh, for for joining me today or tonight. It's night for but when we're recording this, um, it was fun to discuss, to catch up with you a bit, to talk. Uh, it was cool that we each shared something that had a big positive impact on us and our craft.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's always fun to just come and hang out and
0: uh, you know talk
1: about talk yeah. about cartoon
0: animation. Yeah, and I'd love to have you again sometime. And I'm sure we will. especially because And, oh, to viewers, I'm sorry that there was such a delay. And uh, I believe October was our last episode. I basically it's like I I, I don't remember it's on the, this recording, but I told you early that uh, I kind of got wrapped up in doing a bunch of uh, art commissions for family. And that kept me occupied like through November and the holiday season. Uh, as yeah, definitely well really understandable. Finding other stuff to do to for finances because I'm I'm in between jobs and I I kind of have had a lucky break where I ended up with some uh, enough money to probably ride out the rest of the pandemic if if it'll be better ish by the end of this year. But I also still would like to try and 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 you know get some work done, and that's so why I'm going to be doubling down on. Uh, I want to do more commissions and. Uh, streaming, I actually, I think I've learned. I don't want to stream myself playing games. I want to stream myself drawing.
1: I, yeah, I, I sort of came to the same conclusion. Like, I, I went through this. Uh, maybe i was still going through this phase of like not doing art and only streaming games. And I'm like, maybe I should do the
0: opposite. Yeah, I don't enjoy the games as much because I'm trying to to ba- balance. I'm trying to multitask. And it's, yeah, the it's streaming
1: is such a such a chore outside of like just playing the game.
0: Yeah, but I but streaming while you're drawing, I don't know. It just feels more natural and casual and 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 nice i don't know and it's not not, i say nice it's not like my my commenters when i'm playing games are being jerks they're not it's just uh i'm not in the zone as much to use uh soul terminology um Mm -hmm. oh also uh do you follow sports at all i kind of (laughs) don't there (laughs) is an amazing nba joke in soul that i won't spoil uh (laughs) it upsets some people but i'm like that's really funny (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm I will not go spoil that. Go watch go watch the movie. Um okay. but uh again, where can people find you online and some of the projects you want to promote?
1: Um so I am on uh YouTube, uh youtube.com slash DaikonV uh, on uh it's d-a-i-c-o-n-v. Uh okay. so DaikonV like uh the fully coolie reference. Right. Um I am also DaikonV on Twitter and I am Budafist on Instagram that's awesome. a Buddha Fist with
0: a h like oh yeah 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 some people use don't use the h uh cool. myself i am uh, at BehanArt, art b e h o n a r t on twitter tumblr and instagram um I, I i i don't update them super frequently and when I, but when i do it's usually uh drawings or maybe like some funny videos so if you like that kind of stuff i actually just did a uh a soul drawing in pixel art That's something i've taken up as kind of a hobby type of drawing because uh, just kind of, it, I love the look of pixel art; it's nostalgic to me, uh, and it's also pixel so hard. Uh, it's yeah, but hard people point out it challenges you because it gives you restrictions on your canvas. You got to be creative, right? right. Um, but I uh, you can also find me at just behind on YouTube, uh, where I'll be uploading new shorts and and such. Uh, maybe some reviews. I'm not. I'm, I might do some more game reviews. I want to do those for fun. Uh, I think I've come to terms with the fact that it's hard to mon- to do them in a way that would be like monetary, but I just have some funny ideas for them, uh, and you can find uploads of this sh- of the show on it as well. And you can also check out you can check out this show on Twitter and Facebook at SketchWatchPlay Play on both. Uh, on my other Twitter projects, you can find uh, at Wario Reanimated for the WarioWare Gold reanimate collab, which is still ongoing. Uh, we finished the first in May, but we are covering the remaining scenes and aiming to have them done in maybe like. Year and a half, two years time, uh, and my most niche thing: uh Bobo O O C bo bo out of context. Uh, it's an acquired taste, uh, even compared to like the Isaacan. But one of my favorite crazy shows, and it's perfectly made for the uh, out of context quipped uh, clip uh, posts. But again, I want to thank you, Ben, for for coming on and uh, and setting aside some time on, on your busy evenings to talk. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh it's a little too early to say what we'll be doing uh for our next episode. I'll, I'm I plan to reach out to a couple people. I definitely want to try I I used to say like try and make it monthly. I still want to aim for that, but don't be surprised if sometimes it's a there it's there are two or three month gaps. Uh getting things together takes a while and along with editing and uh I just got a lot of priorities and trying to juggle in real life. But thank you for your patience and thank you for everybody who's been enjoying and uh so thank you for thanks again to bed for joining thanks everybody for listening and what is a good is sign off like what would what would kind of say about about podcasting probably that it's a fool's errand like to sponsorship <laughs> there's there's no reason to do it or do you gotta or she'd be like there's tons of cash in it or something yeah she, she if anybody would find a way it'd be her yeah. uh all right. good night everybody